0: Grace is not an excuse to live a sloppy life and get by with it. Come on now, stick with me. Grace is the power not to have to live in sin. It's not not an excuse to, and just an attitude that God will overlook it because he's so gracious. We have been set free from the... uh, The laws in the Bible that covered things like what what we call the ceremonial law, set free from following rules and regulations and having to honor certain days and feast days and rules about diet, rules about material you can wear together and material you can't wear together and what you can't eat, what you can't eat and all that stuff. But we have not, understand me, (laughs) we have not, been set free from the moral law, the Ten Commandments are just as valuable today as they were then. Come on. I heard somebody say one time, can you, can you imagine anybody standing up and teaching on the Ten Commandments? I thought, well, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I kind of like to do that myself. It's like, they're not gone. There's a new liberty. You know, like, I don't necessarily think that you have to take every Sunday and sit home all day and do nothing. But I do think if you don't have a Sabbath rest, on an average of once a week, you're going to fall apart. (laughs) And I think that we need to have time set apart for God. I don't just do it one day a week. I do it every day. I can't make it through one day without Jesus. Amen? And so grace doesn't give us an excuse not to have a high moral standard in our life. Grace actually requires us to do more And what the law did, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Jesus said, in the commandments, it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he said, I say unto you, that if you look at a woman, if you even so much as look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So he didn't make it easier on us. (laughs) He made it harder on us, but... He said, I'll give you the grace to be able to do it. I will give you the power to be able to do it. See, they were trying to be good under the law, but it was all up to them. So if they were good, they felt good about themselves, and if they weren't good, then they felt guilty. They were always making sacrifices. The the law says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, I say unto you, forgive your enemies. (laughs) Bless those who curse you, misuse you, and abuse you. Help them if they have a need. You know, a lot of people believe that tithing is under the law, and so you no longer have to tithe. Well, I'll be honest with you and tell you, I don't think you have to either. But I frankly don't know why you wouldn't want to, and because there's... A great promise that comes with it now in Malachi it says if you don't bring all the tithe into the storehouse you'll be cursed I don't believe God curses people because Jesus bore the curse but I think a lot of times if we don't follow these principles we forfeit blessings in our own life and I figure if they could give 10% under the law what should we be doing by grace Come on, you may not like that. You haven't even gotten even close to the 10% yet. See, in the Bible, you know what word they use in the New Testament? You don't see the word tithe much. It talks about how Melchizedek brought, brought tithes, and I still believe it's valid today. I mean, Abraham was tithing long before the law was ever given, so, you know, uh, I don't, I don't agree that it's still not something that we should do, but I don't think it's gonna keep you out of heaven if you don't. I don't think God's gonna get mad at you if you don't. I don't think that you forfeit all your blessings, but you do reap what you sow. And so, here's the word that the New Testament uses, be generous. Okay, you know what the word generous means? To go beyond what's required. Come on now. You see, the requirement in the Old Testament was 10%, but now Paul says, be generous. And you know why he used that term? Because he was talking to Gentiles who didn't understand the word tithing. And so he said, be generous. Give and give beyond what you're even able to give. Help people. Share everything that you have with people. He didn't ever talk about 10%. It sounds to me like everything had to be available to God. I mean, people in the book of Acts, they sold their properties and they brought everything and they all had in common and they all shared alike. So, I mean, if you're wanting to keep your money, you'd be better off to live under the law than to get messed up with Jesus because when you get hooked up with him, let me tell you something, there is no he money and she money and, you know, hidden money in your wallet. God knows where it's all at. And sometimes... He'll ask you to get it out and give it maybe to somebody you don't even like. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? We actually had somebody call the office, and they said, I need to ask a question. I've got some friends that are they're actually into illegal activity, but they're making a lot of money. And... <laughs> They go to church all the time, and they feel like that they're not getting caught, and God's blessing them (laughs) because of His grace. What do you say about that? I laughed so hard. You know what I said? That is the dumbest question I have ever heard. And I didn't say that to the person, but when they brought me the question at the office, I said, you got to be kidding. I mean, how far off can we get? But here's the thing. Satan deceives people a little tiny bit at a time. A little tiny bit, a little tiny bit, a little tiny bit. That's why we have to make sure that what we believe agrees with the Word of God. AND THAT WE DON'T JUST BASE THINGS ON OUR EXPERIENCE ALONE. EXPERIENCE IS VALUABLE, BUT WE LEARN BY THE WORD OF GOD AND BY LIFE'S EXPERIENCES. AMEN? Amen. SO, ACTUALLY, THE BIBLE TEACHES US THAT IF, if WE ARE LEGALISTIC AND MAKE EVERYTHING INTO A LAW, THAT it's, spirit, IT'S A SIGN OF SPIRITUAL IMMATURITY. THAT SPIRITUALLY MATURE PEOPLE know how to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit because God has written the law in our hearts. The Ten Commandments are written in our hearts now. Are are you following me? Are you okay? Let me ask a question. How many of you are pretty good at turning things into laws? How many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about? All right, I'll give you an example. Cleaning my house. I cleaned my house every day. We vacuumed every day. We dusted every day. We polished every mirror in the house every day. Because, see, really, I didn't feel good about myself, so I felt better if my surroundings were all tidy. Come on, is anybody hearing anything I'm saying? So, you can turn Bible reading into a law. One time I got on this thing reading the Bible through in a year. Everybody at church was reading the Bible through in a year. And so you had to read two chapters of the Old Testament, two in the New, one in Proverbs, one in Psalms every day, six chapters a day, and you'd get through the Bible in a year. And we all had a calendar. And I put my calendar on the refrigerator in the kitchen so people would see that I was... (laughs) Well, when you read your six chapters, you got a check mark. Your flesh loves check marks. <laughs> I mean, if you're a legalist and you love lists, how many of you love lists? Okay. Well, no, there's nothing at all wrong with a list. But here's what can be wrong with the list. If you don't get everything on your list, list checked off and now you feel condemned or guilty or bad about yourself because of that, now it's no longer a list to just keep you disciplined. It's your rule of laws that you have to follow every day. One of my daughters, who's had a, a real turnaround in her life because of, finally understanding grace, was always very legalistic, and I can remember she would she would. Write down on her list the number of pieces of ironing that was back when we actually had to iron our clothes. <laughs> that she wanted to get done every day when on, on ironing day, and if she didn't get them done, which she never did, because she set unrealistic goals for herself. HOW MANY OF YOU KNOW SOMETIMES WE SET OURSELVES UP FOR A FALL? AND SO, THEN IF SHE DIDN'T GET THEM ALL DONE, THEN SHE'D FEEL BAD ABOUT HERSELF herself, AND FEEL GUILTY ABOUT HERSELF ALL THE TIME. SO, I, I, I THINK A GOOD THING TO DO IS STOP COUNTING EVERYTHING. STOP COUNTING HOW LONG YOU PRAY AND HOW MANY CHAPTERS YOU READ. YOU KNOW, JUST BE LED BY THE SPIRIT AND LEARN SOMETHING and stop doing everything by some kind of numerology so you can feel good about yourself. I got into I got I was fine as long as I had check marks on the calendar, but when I started getting these big gaping holes because I wasn't doing six chapters a day, then I would go in the room where that calendar was and I couldn't wait to get away from the thing. <laughs> there was a lot there was a lot of teaching at one time about Praying one hour a day. Can you not pray with me one hour? Scripture Jesus said to his disciples. So everybody was praying an hour a day. Well, I had my clock, (laughs) and I tell you, it was exactly 60 minutes. Didn't matter if what I said made any sense, didn't matter if it was coming out of my heart. I got in my hour. Let me tell you something. A a lot of you are a lot more legalistic than you think you are. And that's one of the reasons that you're not enjoying your life because the law does not bring joy. It brings death.